motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. All right, everybody. Welcome to one fucking hour. My name is Evan Hussey. Can I just say that's the best podcast theme in the world what we've got. <laughs> right doesn't that just just oh. like 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 nectar good. to the ears yes <laughs> anyway. it gets me it gets me ready to go for the show which i am now uh but let me introduce you man hey tom tom fitzgerald's Hello. here hi <laughs> how's it going everybody uh good. and of course uh we got tom we also got marcus what's up marcus hey I think we, I need to pick up some new uh, hello slash welcome material, some new yeah. one-liners. Maybe uh, aloha. Yeah, that's good. Ooh, that's good. You be the aloha guy. <laughs> Mahalo. <laughs> well, welcome to one fucking hour, everybody. Episode twenty-four. Uh, this week, this fucking hour, we are getting into the two thousands. Okay, this is uh, kind of our yes. first, I think, mid uh, you know early two thousands uh, with uh, yeah. Zach. Zach Braff's uh, Garden State is what we're looking mm -hmm. at this week. Uh, Indie Darling kind of came out of nowhere, surprised everybody, uh, and has a uh, has a following to this day. Uh, so very excited. Something a little different here, but very excited about it. Tom, I'm sure you are as well. Yeah, I mean, like, like you were saying, it kind of snuck up on uh, mass culture, I think, partly because uh, I like, you know, like a lot of people were like, okay, the guy from Scrubs made a movie. Uh, okay, I'll check it out. But you know, it's um, it was very innovative. It has a lot of heart, and it really. Um... All right, <laughs> fuck that Moment. shit. Uh, uh, anybody think we would actually do Garden State? Oh God, no. <laughs> yeah, no. Fuck. That. I vote no. Fuck That's, that right. Shit. That's right. That's uh, right, uh, um, Gene. Yeah. I mean uh, Ebert or whatever. Yeah, no, we're not doing this. We never will do this. We might do the sequel to Garden State that was, you know, crowdfunded. We're not doing it. It was, if, if anybody's got a calendar, they know that we're a few days past April 1st, April Fools. We decided to be knuckleheads and we picked Garden State because Garden State is, there's not an, uh, a cell in, in any, between the three of us that would be interested in discussing garden state in any way not even <laughs> as a diss like magnolia i just, just, no, just <laughs> no. hard no but hard. our deepest apologies to anyone who got a pre-watch in yeah or week. bought it who we blind do bought hope it. we do hope that someone saw garden state against their will because <laughs> they wanted to play ball with us and, and you know pre-watch and 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 would have never seen it otherwise we're sorry we owe you we'll put up lots of killer movies even like next week a killer deep cut but apologies for that. If you saw Garden State, maybe they loved Garden State. No. Maybe it changed your life, just yeah. like the Shins, you know. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> right, like the song and the headphones. Uh, sorry. All right. All right. But we're little so, we're little rascals. Fuck that shit. We pulled one on you guys. <laughs> Indulge us. We're gonna restart the fucking show because we're gonna cover a real ass movie today. So restart that shit. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, here we go. 
Jordan. This is feeling right. This is feeling right. Welcome yeah, to Yeah, for real this time. For real this Here time. One fucking hour. Here we go. I'm Evan Husney. We got Tom. We got Marcus. Let's fucking do this, guys. Here we go. Perfect. Hey, he's implementing Aloha already. Mm, it feels good. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. The Aloha nice. guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. This fucking week, this fucking hour, we are covering the 1984 masterpiece. This is Spinal Tap. All right. So hard right turn from Garden State, but let's fucking do it, man. One of the best, uh, one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, And I'm just going to start that clock. Uh, Let's do it. So. Oh, shit. The Spinal Tap clock. All right. I'm sure everybody knows this movie. It's legendary. It's amazing. Maybe our first like straight ahead comedy we've ever covered here, but uh, I was thinking, I think so. The closest yeah. otherwise was like Welcome to the Dollhouse. Right, right, right. Otherwise. But uh, if you're living under a rock, uh, this this is Spinal Tap. Is the legendary 80, 1984 mockumentary directed by Rob Reiner, uh, who of course plays uh, in the film uh, the doc filmmaker Marty DeBergi. Great name. This film is loaded with great fake <laughs> names, um, and. Uh, He is chronicling the dwindling careers of touring rock band Spinal Tap on their latest U.S. tour, uh, which is in support of their uh, most recent record, Smell the Glove, of course. Um, All iconic, amazing, quotable to the end of time stuff. I've seen this movie 800 times. I figured in the midst of an April Fool's, bad April Fool's joke, we could audible into this no problem. So um, I just wanted to kick it off real quick and I'll throw it to you guys. You know, I, I I grew up in a rock household, you know. I grew up with a dad who, you know, was in the rock business, the music business, and this movie was introduced to me at a very young age. And uh, f- for him, it was more so like, I want you to kind of learn more about, you know, the world in which I inhabit, you know, because it gets it so right. But at the same time, it gets it so right, and you hear this a lot with this movie, that it's depressing because it gets it so right, and it, and it, and it reveals all the warts of this business and the hardships and the and the mistakes and the fuck ups and the weird people and all that stuff. So and it the was stupidity all, and the insanity, and the stupidity and the insanity, and that was what was always for me uh, something that I, I, I watching this movie, which I just finished rewatching again. It's such a source of comfort because I literally probably saw this when I was very 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 young, um, and it's very very formative and just still holds up, man holds up perfectly it's still funny it's still on point but do you guys tom do you have any formative memories around this movie or anything well uh for me personally um this being released coincided with me actually getting into metal uh if i can explain just for a second so when i was a little kid it started with classic rock beatles and then like led zeppelin and the who for some reason i was like really into the who and then I went like, hey, modern metal, okay? Like, this is a full confession, and uh, please, you know, please excuse me. <laughs> I got Shout at the Devil by uh, Motley Crue, like, right then. You oh, know, yeah. this is what I'm trying to say. And I, I would stare at the gatefold of just them looking like asshats, like, <laughs> you know, in, in the opening. And I was, and I, and I almost at the time I went, what is wrong with me? This is almost embarrassing, because I was looking like, they're so cool and bad. So what I'm saying is I was like peak into metal, like unironically. And all my stupid friends in school were all like metal. Hell yeah. You know? And then I wasn't just to give a cap on that. And then I super wasn't. And I got into dead Kennedy's black flag, circle jerks, butthole surfers. So I was just out. It was very brief, but I'm saying it was spinal tap. So I felt like this movie, when we saw it at the mall after going to Sam Goody and 
you know, buying Def Leppard albums. I was like, wait, they're made, they made a movie for us. It was so <laughs> incredibly vivid and personal. And I wow. got so much of the humor because uh, it probably helped kill me off my uh, inclination towards metal, actually. Yeah. You know, like I used to subscribe to Guitar Player magazine and excitedly wait for them to get the audience or the audience poll, reader poll of the best guitar player in the world. You yeah. used to call it Guitar Pussy magazine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Guitar Player. I, I don't know why I subscribed to Guitar Player. But I, I anyway, so I'm just saying um, Spinal Tap was so funny to me because I couldn't believe that a, what I, you know, it's a mainstream movie you see at the movie theater and they're making jokes about like the dumbest of the dumb stuff that like felt like really like a cult thing. So it was really um, uh, deeply funny and deeply relatable, but also it felt like a strange experience because, uh, you know, to see something so esoteric on the yeah. big screen yeah. was so, so cool. And I think that if I wasn't into metal, um, I'd still like it. I'd, it'd be funny, but it was so, it's, it's so in my heart because it's like, it hit, you know, I'm telling you, it hit me like this. It was exactly the right age. It was like 12 or something, like 13. Right. So uh, and then I saw it 800 million times like everyone else. And uh, I agree with you. It still is funny, which is always very rare for a, a comedy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like comedies, you know, they just the blazing saddles, like ugh, you know, that doesn't <laughs> hold up so great. You know, Marcus, you know what about I'm you? Saying. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I listen to both you guys. I'm like, uh, I'm realizing maybe this is a common thread of why we all get along so well most of the time is because uh, this, I feel like a blend between you guys. Like uh, my dad was a big, was a musician. Music was really big in our house, like, you know, music and stuff. And then I remember when he was, when uh, Break Like the Wind was coming out, like the, the Spouse Tap reunion movie, I was probably around the age to notice it and think it was funny and stuff. And I never, I don't know if I, I think I saw it once, but I didn't like it. But my dad was like kind of priming me to get into Spinal Tap back then. And then, um, so I was, I liked it as a youngster, you know, like 12, 13 or something like that. And then like when I was, uh, but it really clicked for me in college, actually, when I got in, when I was getting into Motley Crue, <laughs> Funnily enough, That's because I went the opposite crew. way. I was I was like into uh, like Beatles, Zeppelin, then hardcore into just like punk. That's and I had to pretend like I didn't like heavy metal and stuff. And right. then when I got to college, it sort of like loosened up because we started to like Motley Crue as a joke. We thought it was funny to pretend to like butt rock. And then it just kind of goes, then, then, you know, like all jokes, yeah. you push it too far. And next thing you know, you like, yeah, you, you think it's funny to do a show on Garden State. Next thing you know, like, you're going to be a lot yeah. Garden State, right? No, it's so. like, wait a minute. Live Wire is really great by Molly. Yeah, Pitt. yeah. That's yeah, what yeah no, I realized there wasn't a huge gap between um, uh, punk and metal, like all the guitar magazines made me believe when I was younger, you know. But uh, oh, know, so, yeah, so that's when I started getting into um, uh, Spinal Tap and watching it religiously, having a tape of it. You know, I, I, I actually ended up, I got the album. You know, oh, so that's beautiful. Jesus. Smell the glove, dude. It, it looks like I might be faking it, but it really is the, uh, the record here. And the gatefold inside, it's got all their album awesome. covers. And it has got, got a, a, in, an church. entry from the Rocklopedia Britannicus. Right. Yeah. But, but you get the album covers. You got a shark sandwich. Oh, yeah. Shark sandwich. to Milo. <laughs> Intravenous um, to Milo, yeah. What are some of the uh, others? Intravenous well, there's like to uh, the Milo. sun never sweats. I think is the one that you don't oh. see in the movie. Um, oh, you got heavy metal memories. I think that is, and then uh, I don't know that either. Yeah. Well, let's. And, let's... Uh, yeah. Anyway, but um, yeah, 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 yeah so... totally. <laughs> let's let, let's. Very cool. I'm glad you showed the album covers because that's one of the best parts in the movie. It's very early on. 
you know, when they're just listing off the other records and you really get this kind of impression of this band. And I think for us, too, we, all of us, you know, we always are, t- you know, talking about the music we listen to and like. And in my in my into my 20s, well, beyond seeing Spinal Tap, I got into a lot of the bands that I'm sure inspired Spinal Tap, you know, like, like Uriah Heep. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm a, I'm a, that's who I always thought it was too. Oh man. Well, well you? if, if you're showing records, then I'm going to show some records because I got, I got way into Uriah Heep. Um, and Uriah Heep I is very, um, Spinal Tap to me. Like, you know, I mean, just, you know, these album covers, you know, you know, look at yourself. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, like, Shark sandwich. Like Black Mirror. <laughs> Yeah. Right. It's total shark sandwich. <laughs> yeah, and um of course I think one of the bands that 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 really kind of is a big part of the trajectory of Spinal Tap is we were talking about Deep Purple, you know, and I think yeah. this album cover is very you know, Spinal Tap. Or, the- or or well, yeah. well I I would vote if you're asking me it's them as Mount Rushmore is so Spinal Tap for uh, <laughs> totally. uh which one is it De- in rock in rock yeah the yeah. purple in rock that is so like like you can hear the conversation like and then like like Mount Rushmore is a rock so like <laughs> we're in rock and roll and then it's also we're made of rocks uh, it's like on so many levels so I, I love that attention to the album covers the love the attention to detail like the uh the intravenous to Milo is like a photography album cover. So it's like hypnosis or something. Right. Mm. And then the shark sandwich one is just like when they got like the shittiest, cheapest illustrator, like that, that, that exists in so many like metal and like hard, you know, uh, there's totally. like a kinks album that has that like it's, really crappy, it's very, like um, illustration it's like that. Very, it's very like autograph UF- album cover. You know, the band like, autograph. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yes. it's, it's very autograph. autograph. Oh, I know autograph. <laughs> It, it's okay, it's very okay. autographed, but it's also very UFO. I think UFO is another it is main good major. Call. And actually, it, um, um, the monkey album, yeah. Um, intravenous de Milo is also very UFO album cover too, or Scorpions. Yeah, it's like that monkey you know, album. Right? I was just gonna say Scorpions. You yeah, know? yeah. like oh, bad humor, like bad, bad, like uh, when metalheads go uh, go funny. It's never. Good <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna yeah. say. And the other, the last record or, I want to show, which I think tell. is so absolutely fucking Spinal Tap, and I'm sure they were aware of it when they were putting this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually really like this album, <laughs> but is, uh, of course, Music from the Elder, you know. Oh, well, um, yeah. I mean, I love that <laughs> album, too. Um, well, that's that's kind of um, just, we're just going to bounce around because it's Spinal Tap, who cares? But, like, uh, the Elder reminds me of, like, the kind of conversations they would have about, like, like Derek Smalls, you know, the bass player, uh, Harry Shearer, you know, he's like, let's like, re- after the tour, like, let's really make a statement. Let's do something grand and let's break out of the routine of rock and roll and like, like do like an operetta or like, you know, like, like, um, you know, it's like, like, like expand, like that 70s inclination of pretentiousness where it's like, let's expand. And in the film, of course, the, the thing is they do it, they, they start talking about some dusting off an old idea like Saucy Jack. Yeah, Jack the Ripper, you know, so that's, you're a naughty one, saucy Jack, you know, (laughs) so it's just, um, so indeed, they're they're just like music from the elder by Kiss, that was Kiss, like, um, it's just, uh, just like coming off a mountain of cocaine and pretentiousness and, you know, like, uh, not noticing that their adulation is waning quickly, like, they just think like, let's go to the mountaintop and the mountaintop is like, the greatest album of all time. You know what but I mean? Also, like, like it's like like Tchaikovsky. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you what's know. also, yeah, it, it is that it is that 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 pretentiousness, and what's also really evocative of like the music from the Elder, which is for those who don't know, that's Kiss's concept out, a medieval concept record they did uh, in 1981. Kind of Tolkien esque. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing. Um, but they um, soundtrack for a fake movie, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, what I was going to say is, uh, I think what we should spend a lot of time talking about in this hour is kind of these underrated mm. moments of the movie because there are a lot of buried amazing details in this film. I mean, you said earlier the idea of seeing something this esoteric on the big screen. I mean, you just wouldn't see a film like this anymore yeah. about like, you know, not only is it just a parody, but it's so inhabited. Like the the the, the people, you know, like Christopher Guest, obviously genius, you know, Harry Shearer, all of them inhabiting this role to such a degree, they all fucking deserve Oscars. They all fucking, in terms of like nailing this to a fucking T. But the one thing I wanted to say, which is just so spot on, is in the scene, uh, it gets overshadowed by the Stonehenge, which I know we're going to get into shortly. But, th- but the mm. scene when they're pitching the Stonehenge idea is also the scene, you know, when uh, at Michael... At the diner? Yep. Right. Um, at, yeah. At the diner when Michael McKeon's girlfriend is also pitching the Zodiac uh, <laughs> concept. Well, face paint, which is kind of like a, like, um, you know, obviously like a Kiss-like move. But I, what it reminds me of is not so much Kiss, but like when Vinnie Vincent and Eric Carr had to like yes. have new uh, things. And it's like, like, oh, you're going to be a panther in outer space, yeah. you know. The onk. Like, the onk. Like, like, two things. Like, like. like like metalheads shouldn't do art and they shouldn't do comedy, you know? So like um, the art is, it's all just so tacky. So yeah. I apologize, but yes, the girlfriend idea is just such a spot on rendering spot on. of, of like uh, <laughs> yeah. pretentious, stupid ideas about like making this like great art, you know, Here's like, your crab face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Brilliant. she's so, well, you uh, were saying the so Stonehenge uh, brainstorming, yeah, I was just going to say, but sh- shout out to that actress, though, June Chadwick, who plays Amazing. the girlfriend. She's so stone cold in this movie. Anytime you see her, I mean, I don't know how you just wouldn't crack a, a smile at any of this stuff or anything. <laughs> she's she's absolutely 100% like t- down playing it to the ground in all of these scenes. And she's so yeah. good. I just, she really popped for me watching. Well, you know, she's so real. Like all yeah. those little details, like, you know, that we've been talking about so far, like the acting, the, the lore, you know, the, the fake album covers, it created like a little bit of confusion among people. Like, I think at the time people thought it might, that this was a real band. Right. And, and I know that I had yeah. personal firsthand experience with that of a girlfriend who thought that they were a real band after we watched the movie, you know, she still thought that you they could were do like, that, band, you know, yeah. Because it goes both ways. Like, like rock and roll bands can be that stupid very easily, you know. And and these guys made such a subtle comedy that that never, um, you know, um, gives tells its hand, you know. Like it's so, uh, it's so um, low key. It never gets big. It's an amazing comedy, actually. I like, know. I like know. You know, like Airplane is around around that time, and it's very big. It's very broad, yeah. and that's part of what's funny about it. But this is not just the esoterica seeing that on the screen, even when I was a kid. But just like the nuance uh, um, and the subtlety of the jokes, there's some sort of big jokes here and there, like you know, like he's got his uh, zucchini in his crotch during the um, right, you right. know, like being checked at the airport. But like there's some stuff, guys, uh, and um, and so. Uh, sure, but I was going to say, just as you're talking out loud, and I'm thinking about it, I don't think she really has any funny lines. The uh, the wife, you know, what I mean by that is. 
she's not even meant to be she's not a straight man and she's not meant and she, she is amusing in her silliness and pretense but they really just made her a character you know, I know what I'm saying yeah. like yeah. she doesn't get really you know she doesn't have any kind of like uh she's not even she's not dumb like them you know what I mean like she's just like like a lived-in character that you would see we've all met a person like that I've met women like that before it's just like that yeah. is a thing like hanger on like burning man and like ancillary you know like uh counterculturiness you know so <laughs> she's anyway, failing in kind of like a relatable way too like you know like she's she takes over as their manager and she's booking them at bat you know yes. making bad decisions she's kind of believable and like I, I feel like I would be making those bad decisions if well, I her took heart's over. in the right place her heart's in like in the right place you know she wants to she wants to help but like she it's true but 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 in terms of like you know she's missing the mark you know in terms of what they are as a rock band yeah and she was she's overestimating what she has to bring to the table too you know what i mean like she (laughs) thinks it's about like um like and then you're all a whole like group of stray cats and you're all like finding each other and we'll have like strobe lights and it's just like she has um she is not talented and doesn't have good ideas but she's in this position confident though (laughs) very yeah yeah so anyway so that's just and that's just look like we're saying that's a detail and it's brilliantly rendered yeah, this movie is filled with details. One thing I just wanted to say because we just you just mentioned it, uh, talking about watching it with somebody who thought it was real. Recently, within the last six months, um, when I watched this movie the last time, the time before last, um, I was watching it with um, my uh, girlfriend's cousin, and um, he was dating this uh, girl at the time who'd never seen it, didn't know anything, and I and I and I was kind of thinking. Like, how is this movie going to age with generations moving forward? Because yeah, yeah. she was she was in her twenties, and she'd never heard of it, never seen it. She has no frame of reference for rock music. Because now we're at that. I mean, point. she didn't know a lot about Uriah Heep. No, <laughs> but we're at that point, you know, now in culture where rock yeah, is of starting to be aged out completely. Out of people, completely. people, people 100%. are now a, a, of a drinking age that have never heard a rock song, you know, pretty much. So um, so there was no frame of reference that she had for any of this. So none of it was funny. Fascinating. And none of it, none, none of it was funny, and she felt so excluded that we thought it was funny. And, um, <clears throat> and it was also like this alien world of what is this rock yeah. music, which is just so weird. So, so that's what, it also speaks to how esoteric the movie really is, but also there how go, does it yeah. progress moving forward? I would guess that another fact play, factor playing into that is just how mockumentaries have changed over time too. Like this is like a major. There were others before this movie, but this one like really kind of. Nothing I think Christopher like Guest and like kind of really set the stage is like, uh, definitely the bar of how good a, rockuma- oh. a mockumentary could be. And of there's a lot that I don't care for, like Z League, you know, or like forgotten silver there's a lot of mockumentaries i don't think work there's some that do like thought the office you know is pretty good or whatever but it's not believable you know as real actually you know um so but it's interesting that like spinal tap is so subtle that people believed it was a real documentary back then mm. and then there was a time where like you're like you could never you know maybe in the early 2000s where consciousness of like mockumentaries is so high that people would never think it was you know, uh, a, a real film, a documentary, right. but now mockumentaries are, it's, they are way more overstated, right? Like parks and rec is supposed to be like a mockumentary or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like, the little like I've the seen office, of it, it's very like, over the top. Like the office, there's a camera crew, you know, like that's, that's the, um, 
that's the conceit which is always blows my mind that the office is like there's this long form documentary being made and they do reference it later which is very lame like in later the office you know like they talk about the like somebody falls for somebody in the crew right mm-hmm. of the of the documentary uh-huh. but no that's a good observation it's place but um you know as we're talking here's one thing that really hit me so rob reiner was meathead in 1983 <laughs> or 82 from like you know the far gone all, all in the family like hey right can you imagine the studio like oh yes here's all my money let's get meathead to direct a movie number one and then <laughs> oh my god let's get guys from all these failed pilots and like sketch comedy and like right. there's the, who's writing direct who's, who's writing and starring in it nobody's oh give it to me like here's millions of dollars to make your movie and then it's like and then it's about it's about really obscure subculture bands uh like with all these nuanced in jokes yeah you know, that you really need like a, a skeleton key to have some understanding <laughs> of like all of it you know um, there's some broad comedy like these go to 11 that's that's just straight okay but still so what i'm saying is you know i'm going with this it's like i'm stunned that it was made it's like who the hell had faith in this thing i mean it's a very low budget film i'm sure but still it got made yeah. it had no it probably yeah. was a shock that it was a hit you know i always marveled that too because they recorded music for it and they went in and like those guys are actually playing the songs like you know christopher know, guest is too. playing the lead they guitar wrote the songs. yeah yeah i mean they're and they're, they're both the fact that they like recorded an album and did a movie when I, you know it's always blown my mind you know i know i know yeah but but so like yeah. um so anyway it's just an observation that like uh you know and it's another example of like uh i'm sure it was kind of dumped and there wasn't a lot of faith in it when the studio made it they probably didn't put a big budget behind like the promotion and all that stuff but it blew up and it becomes it's like top under the top 10 of all-time comedies you know what I oh, mean and 100%. that's the thing it's like yeah. it just it, it just created and it created and it did create its own genre I'm going to call it the first mockumentary by the definition that we're used to uh, and and really this the, the claim that was staked by Christopher Guest because I mean if you look at the subsequent films I mean just the one uh, Waiting for Guffman which by the way I'm a huge fan I know every oh, second yeah. of it mm-hmm. backwards and forwards and it's so genius um and it's on par with Spinal Tap, and he just created something. I mean, he is a genius of comedy, uh, you know. And, and all the I like all the others, you know, Best in Show and everything. But like, um, that's uh, that was not a format before Spinal Tap. I mean, there were things that were. I think like Monty Python or something, you know, like they would do those little bits or like that's the Ruddles is like the Ruddles is like the you know that's seventy-eight true. or something. That's like, a good point, and that's closest in a way to Spinal Tap, you yeah. know. Um, but just the but, but but all the compliments that we've been giving this film uh, is 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 I think it's the subtlety of it uh, that's so strange because it takes a it took some cojones to make a film like that. That's all I'm saying is oh because my last little thing in playing out like how this is an impossible film to imagine being made. It's like oh and all the humor on all the esoterica of of a subculture of rock and roll. It's all going to be played flat, you know, like a uh, low key deadpan. Right. And with poker faces like like right and it's just and all i'm saying is this is only 1982 1983 and i bet if we look back at comedy i mean there's airplane which is very broad and still pretty funny but like comedy wasn't that great like in 83 no. like i guess vacation you know but like this was a this is a, an odd in a regular shaped comedy 
Yeah. And um and they it's sort of modern. modern. It's modern. It's a modern. Yeah, yeah, modern. maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's interesting all the of pieces time. of it that was related to other kind of hip comedy of the day, you yeah. know, like Paul Schaefer's in it, so it's like letter got a little bit of a Letterman connection there, you know, he was sort of hip and revolutionary. And then you got like uh Tony Hendra, right? The he was like a writer for uh National Lampoon. National Lampoons, right? Yeah. Very hip and cool and uh, then like Christopher Guest was on Saturday Night Live, which was cool back then, right? Yeah, not not even uh, yet. He was on later, you know. Oh, yeah. later. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it's it's like tangentially related to kind of like the cool guys in comedy from that era. It is actually the real the MVP maybe to what you're saying is in a way it's Harry Shearer who everybody yeah. knows and loves now because of the Simpsons. But um, you know one thing about him, he was on SNL in the last season of the classic cast, Harry Shearer. You know, this is when um, Belushi and I think Bill Murray and Aykroyd all left. So it's like uh, spring of 80 or something like that, at the very end. And he hated it and they hated him. And if I, <laughs> and it's, and this is to speak to what you're saying, actually, because Harry is a very sophisticated comic person, comic mind, as in evidence by this film and all the work with Chris Guest and everything. So he had this very um, subtle, deep, you know, beautiful, uh, rich comedy. And he was going on a show, SNL, which was like, uh, hey, I'm going to pick your nose, you know, or whatever, like, you know, like, like, uh, I'm going to give you a noogie or like, like coneheads. You know? yeah. And it's like, um, and he hated, he hated that world and they didn't get him. They did not like him. So you're right. I think you're, it's a great observation. None of these, all these people that I really respect um, are, um, they ne- well, they never compromised, except, of course, one of these guys was Lenny of Lenny and Squiggy. You know, like, ooh, on Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> so he did do a sellout move and did something very broad and very stupid. But he redeemed himself. Um, and he proved that he's, like, uh, like Martianly, like, talented. You know, uh, yeah. what's his name? <laughs> ah, what's his name? Um, Michael McKean. McKean. Yeah. Michael McKean. So, but, but just getting back to what you're saying, it's, it's like he probably did as a day job pop television garbage yeah and then but he's kicking it with like the really heavy these heavy guys you're right it's a heavy scene because comedy always has these little scenes and that was the coolest of the cool kids i would say it's them and albert brooks were like the really smart guys and then like um then there's everybody else you know including snl and like steve martin and like robin williams you know Um, like so so big respect to these guys i'm rambling but all i'm trying to say is i really respect them mainly because they held their integrity and they held out to make something of quality and didn't just like you know put water balloons in their heads no, well like I, I have a question if i can ask you know maybe maybe marcus maybe you know maybe but you guys know but like watching it back again getting ready to do this show it was like man how do they know every fucking texture and nuance of this world <laughs> so well you know i like was how, thinking the same thing how like did they have an interest in this world or did they or was it or was it just so blatantly in front I don't of them think so parody? i don't think so because if i might i'll just say my piece and then marcus please it's i think um it's research driven i think they saw from a distance because they're from baby boomers and rock and roll was everywhere it was the driving cultural force of their generation sure. so they kind of were forced to have to deal with it and you know uh national lampoon they were ancillary to all that scene in national lampoon and they did that thing called lemmings which, you know, John Belushi was in it as Joe Cocker. It was a parody yeah. of uh, Woodstock. And so they were parodying rock and roll for a long time because they were like forced to have to, you know, be w- aware of it. Like, oh, drum solo or whatever. But I think that this is just heavy research because my theory is 
is based on that, that it's heavy research, is, um, you know, they probably weren't really into dog shows and they did best in show and they probably, <laughs> maybe, you know what I mean? Like, I think they just, a great point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just have this ultra geek thing. And I, and I respect and love that too, where they're just like, what's the topic? What are we doing? What's the world that we're going to build? Well, and they yeah. just get it down on the deets. Yeah. It's it. in the deets. They, for some reason, they, Christopher Guest, especially, he, they, they value that it's, it's like, it's kind of in the details, you know? It's authentic. They want to value that authenticity. Yes. Yeah. Perfectly it's said. Like, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's like if you're watching a Herzog world. movie or, 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 or something where, you know, or, or like one of his documentaries or something and you're, and, and, you know, through his lens, you're really seeing, Wow, this person's capturing these incredible nuanced, you know, qualities of this person that you might not be so obvious to others. You know, they're so good at picking up yeah. those weird esoteric things about very hard <laughs> subcultures. You know what I'm saying? Um, so right, I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe not- that was a part of it. But also, it's like that period in rock is so specific. You know, where we've been goofing on the other album covers, but I know. it's Let's so specific. Where 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 yeah. it's like. Where, where, where it's kind of like in that late 70s period, you know, where everything started to turn into like sex fun woman, you know? It's a transition, wow. actually. Um, so, you know what? Why don't we put on our, our geek out esoteric hats as we address the esoteric details of this film? And I think that um, you nailed it because one of the, the things that makes me giddy is that if Spinal Tap was made in 87, it, there would be um, a whole new set of tropes that are really baked in you know, like, like hair metal sunset mm-hmm. strip. And like, it's just, it's just different, but you're so right. Uh, let's say it was just in 81, 82 and everything was transitioning and MTV was just coming on for instance. Right. And so it wasn't really about Motley Crue and it was about like, and, and it's in the songs, good observation. And let's talk about some of the songs. Like it's in the songs, like um, it's not metal. It's no. just like, Sometimes they rock with a heaviness. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean. And it's 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 that it's that it's it's seventies rock. And that's the thing in the narrative of the film. You know, they were like a Beatle invasion band, and uh, you know, then they were sixties trippy. You know, like listen to the flower children, <laughs> and like, um, and then they said like, oh, I guess now's the. And that's what's so funny is it's it's so sad and cynical about like, uh, hey, what's the latest trend? Like, like, like I I wouldn't have been surprised if they tried to end Spinal Tap. With like, and they're dressing punk or something or new wave. The way like village people look new wave on the second. <laughs> yeah, album. you know Are what I mean. Those bands I love yeah. that. Yeah. That, that would have been a funny. Uh, that would have been a funny thing. And like Alice Cooper went like new wave with um, oh, flush the fashion God. clones. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So so that, I love that. But yeah. But but it's uh, but it is of its time where it's like the rock and roll dinosaurs and um, yes. That's well, we were, we were going to talk about um, one specific one. Let's talk about Stonehenge. Okay, we will. And one sec. Yeah, I, I just want to drill wait? it okay. down. Just want to drill it down in that, like, you know, in the songwriting. What's so brilliant about when you look at the songs that they did, yeah. right? That Big they, bottom. Well, I know it's it's it it, it captures Hellhole. it captures so perfectly that just that 1977. Yeah. You know, because yeah. you, you have to yeah. assume a song like Stonehenge. Like I kind of equate that to like a rainbow type of Gates of Babylon type song you know where like synthesizers are coming in that middle eastern influence is yeah. coming in the hard rock you know in yeah. 76 well it's like it's know? um it's post a, zeppelin too it's c, it's yeah. c- list zeppelin that's what i was c- just list zeppelin yeah. but then it but then it turns like when the 80s are cranking up and like van halen's starting <laughs> to pop it's getting really back to the rock kind of yeah. you know the like the, like you know four on the floor well if i might actually evan this is a perfect example boy this is such an exact observation and you guys are gonna love this trust me is 
It's as if Spinal Tap Tap um, had Van Halen as their opening act, and Van Halen blew them away. Exactly. How many times? Yeah. How many times have we heard Kiss opened for um, uh, uh, you know, help me, ah, Rush? like a dinosaur, like yeah, kind of, but like whatever, Kiss. In like 1975, yeah, exactly. In like 1975, I, we've heard these anecdotes. Kiss yeah. opened for, um, oh fuck, why am I blanking out? Like, like a, just a dinosaur. I'll just say it. Status quo. So like status quo had the name value a little bit, it's a marquee value, and then Kiss. And then the thing is, I, I, I kind of wish I could have experienced this, where it's like, the first band all these people will see is a band that delivers the fucking groceries and gets back to basics, rock and roll. And then there's this incredibly euphoric rock and roll hour of kiss in 1975 and then like like later there's an hour and a half of like status quo and like they're they're like 35 years old and like they're not into it you know status quo is pretty close yeah with that like they had that like psychedelic period and you know and then became just a matchstick man yeah yeah but there's a million status quos but anyway so so i apologize yeah exactly so so i apologize but like i think in a way the spiritual world uh, in the place of spinal tap is opening for van halen and their first tour no van halen opening for them excuse me in 1978 and just like 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 carnivorously tearing up that stage and yeah. just making everybody rabid that then, band they meet in the hotel is that that they open yeah, for is yeah. kind of looks like van halen right so yeah it's something <laughs> like the rat i always think of rat <laughs> yeah it's a little later right is no it? yeah. it's right on the money out of the cellar, um, round and round. Uh, so you you, you guys were, were bringing up Stonehenge. So obviously, one of the anecdotes we all love, you know, um, being major major Sabbath heads over here. Um, I'm excited already. I know. I know I'm really excited. Just, too. just don't miss a detail, bro. <laughs> okay, I won't. I won't. You guys, correct me if I'm wrong. But um, so one of our favorite collective black sabbath records between the three of us is born again right i can speak for all of us in saying that oh god yeah <laughs> i blasted that shit when i was a kid i love it i still love it Disturbing i love videos priest? oh yeah Ian so like the, one of the best metal songs is you know titles of all time is it disturbing is. the priest which is yeah. it's very spinal tap it like, is like unnerving the bishop <laughs> yeah you know, it's so asinine. Yes. So, so for those who Disquieting don't know, disquieting the chaplain. <laughs> Sorry. So, so for those who don't know, Born Again, I think is eighty-three, right? That sounds about right. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. right in the pocket of Spinal Tap, and uh, uh, Black Sabbath is on. But their just third before, singer. just to preface, it is one year yeah. before the release of the film. It is one year before it, Sabbath is on their third singer. Uh, Ozzy, obviously, they kicked out, and then Ronnie James Dio left. Um, and they had they got Ian Gillen from, of course, you know, Deep Purple, classic vocalist, uh, to replace mm-hmm. um, uh, to replace Dio. And they they put out a record uh, which has a cult following now called Born Again, which features on its cover an amazing uh, child uh, with <laughs> fangs and long yellow and long fingernails, fingernails because he's I, demonically possessed because he's born again. Yeah, right, hell, right. yeah, um, anyway. and it, it has one of the most bizarre sounding drum and bass sounds of any any weirdly mixed record. One of the weirdest mixed rock records of all it's time. It's like accidentally mixed and produced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. It's an accident. 
Okay. <laughs> totally. Anyway, it's a great record if you haven't checked it out. But anyway, uh, there's a very, very famous uh, behind-the-scenes story during the tour uh, for that record, which is very Spinal Tap. And Ian Gillen, the singer at the time, was talking about it when they actually have a track on Born Again called Stonehenge, which is Whoop. kind of one of those intermediary <laughs> tracks that kind of is an intro going into another song. Yeah, Maybe like Iommi did with it. like, um, <laughs> like Iommi did the, what, what's that one, like E450 or whatever? Yeah, Like yeah, the thing fluff, before uh, oh, Mob yeah. Rules. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, he'd always have these little intermediary tracks. So Stonehenge is one of them. And um, they were uh, talking about, you know, on that tour, they wanted to have a big set piece. And of course, in Canada, which is the perfect place for this to go down. They decide to erect this life-size Stonehenge set piece, which they have uh, all across the stage. And Again, Gillen, I'm going to interject. We are not describing the film Spinal Tap. I know. <laughs> but the reality of the band Black Sabbath a year before the film's release. And you just <laughs> said the words, yeah. make a, a mock-up of Stonehenge for the stage performance. So it's on... Wow. I'm actually curious if they knew about this or this is just coincidence. But who's anyway. they? What do you mean? Which which well, way? Like, like Spinal Tap. If Spinal Tap was aware of this, at no, all. I, 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 I've looked into it. It's like it was scripted, and they're like shooting when the Black Sabbath tours happen. It's just one of those weird convergent things, like like how birds have wings and bats have wings, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they're not related. Just one of those, just one of those <laughs> things. So the long and the the long and the short of it is that they 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 build this Stonehenge set, and Ian Gillen checks you know he's backstage and he sees that there's a little person backstage um he's like well that's interesting what's uh what's what's that for (laughs) and um apparently (laughs) they describe in the sound check or whatever the rehearsal that when the when the um curtains open and you know they're gonna have like a big opening number war pigs probably or whatever they're gonna do a little Mm. stonehenge intro because it is an intermediary intro type track and so uh and, and during that they're going to have a gag or a set piece where the little person is going to crawl on top of the Stonehenge and then he's going to fall yes. off onto a bed of mattresses. Um, and then, of course, the sirens for war pigs would start. And Ian Gillen's like, I don't know, man. This is pretty fucking weird. I don't know how I feel about this. And then the like stage manager or whatever. Falling. Yeah. And then, the, and then the stage manager is like, oh, don't worry. The kids will love it. The kids will love it. And of course, it played and everyone laughed at it and laughed it out of the building. I, I, I forgot that the uh, uh, little person was also dressed like the born again baby. So, oh, know, I never knew that. Bright red. He's, so yes. he's like painted red yes. with like contact lenses. And oh, the fangs. Wow. Dude, fangs that's why the, that's why they hired a little person. Yes, sorry. Because he's 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 portraying the demonic baby who's crawling oh on the Stonehenge, falling off. It's and then, so Spinal Tap. It's yeah. so weird. Oh, no, but wait, there, there's weird. more, right? But there's more. I think it's basically just you know from what I understood okay. that it was that was it. Like get this off the program. Okay, because the one thing I heard was like it was really way too high for him to jump. Oh like yeah, mis- right. there was there was like a size miscalculation again, a la yeah. Spinal Tap, but in the opposite direction. And it was just like really, da- it was like yeah, a bed of you know a, a mattress is on the ground, but like it's too high. It's like well, don't quote there's me, like but risk I think, assessment. But I but but I think what they did, and maybe this is just like a gag that he was when he was retelling yeah. the stories, like yeah, so we moved the yeah. mattresses, and that was the end of him, you know, or something like that. That's what yeah, I kind of right, remember the you. punchline, but who knows what's true? But right? uh, yeah, Lord, I mean, yeah. it's an incredible coincidence, and it's it's it, it just shows that uh, you know Guest and the gang just really nailed it because yeah. happening like in another part of the globe is 
the, essentially the same idiotic thing. It's incredible. That's how right on they I think were. It all, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. crazy. Yeah. It was just the fact of like, which came first? No, they happened at the same time. It all kind of contributes to the fun, like sort of unraveling of like the origins of this movie. You know, like where did, like you brought it up earlier, like where did this come from? And there are like, you know, once you start doing a deep dive into Spinal Tap, there's like, there are weird little breadcrumbs along the way where you can right. see that this project started much earlier and that they had left, um, that they uh, they had tried it out in various incarnations before they got it off the ground going. And I don't know, there's so many different little bits and pieces of this to attack, but I know that there's beef, maybe we'll go in reverse order, but there's uh, there's uh, there's something called Spinal Tap, the final tour. It's about 20 minutes long. Right. It's pretty fun. It's very trippy. Uh, there's a Stonehenge segment, but it, it's basically a early cut of Spinal Tap all the songs are have already been recorded. It's like a proof of concept or something that they made yeah, to, yeah. to get the movie uh, sold. But they've they've got all the songs are already done and they're playing in front of audiences. And it's like different. It's the same scenes that you're used to, like the spot, like the 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 uh, Stonehenge scene is there, but it's not Angelica Houston. It's somebody right. else. It's this blonde actress, you know. And so I guess they went and reshot it later on. Or there's like. Um, there, there'll be a scene where they're playing like Big Bottom and it looks basically the same, but you realize Michael McKean, he's not wearing a wig. He's got long hair. He's got a different wig or something. You know, like something's yeah. off and a little bit different about yeah. it. So they're still finding their, the, 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 the final feel. Yeah, it's pretty that. fun. It's like a bizarro land version uh, of. You know, I've never seen it. So yeah. I'm assuming it's on YouTube, I guess. Yeah. If oh, it yeah. is, let's put the link on the, you know. The oh, yeah. And the other weird, I mean, like, I know, Tom, you've got one you want to mention too, but there's, there's one other weird reference is that I had, I, one time I bought this Lenny and Squiggy record. <laughs> it was like the Lenny and the Squig Tones. Of course and, you did. And they had, yeah, and they had her, of course. And uh, on the sleeve, when you pull it out, there's a picture of, of the whole band, and Christopher Guest is in the band, and it says Nigel Tufnell guitar. Wow! And so, and then uh, because Michael yeah, McKeon is, is Lenny, so yeah, they're, they're buddies, plays so with they're the, hanging out like uh, some show or whatever. He played on, I think they played on Letterman, and they introduced Christopher Guest as oh, Nigel Tufnell oh, oh, on Letterman too. It's very weird, but it's all pre Final Tap, yeah. yeah. So it's just weird little elements of like they were working on this this character or this, this has been happening for years. Yeah. I mean, like I was mentioning, you know, um, national lampoon, Chris Guest was a big part of the performative part of national lampoon. You know, after the success of the magazine, they started having, um, theatrical, uh, stuff, you know, uh, comedy, uh, live comedy. And like I said, there was lemmings, which was a Woodstock mock-up. And then I believe, don't quote me, I'm sorry, but Chris Guest had an interest in satirizing pop, modern pop music. And I think it led him a few years later after Lemmings to do something maybe within National Lampoon or not, where he found um, it wasn't they weren't a metal band, but they were just sort of parroting general dumb rock and roll of like 1975. And it was a little Doobie Brothers ish <laughs> and, uh, you know, more, you know, not it was just like rock and roll, very generic, like just rock and roll band, you know, like the tubes or something and kind of what the tubes is itself parroting, you know. But um, and then and then we've talked about this earlier, and there was this um, kind of failed pilot for a variety sketch show from uh, 1979, and Rob Reiner was involved, and Rob Reiner um, introduces a rock band on this bad sketch show, or this failed sketch show, and he's like a Wolfman Jack character, and he's like, give it up for blah blah blah, and they weren't called Spinal Tap, but that's on YouTube as well, and um, and the that's TV really, show. 
yeah, the TV shows the name of this failed pilot, and uh, that's they're dangerously close to Spinal Tap. It, and again, not metal so much, but just general rock and roll yeah. dumbness. Yeah, they are and called so Spinal it, Tap. It's right? been a fascination. Right. Maybe I'm not they sure. Are, they Sorry, are. they are. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, okay, sick. Even better. So like, um, and then you know, it seems Marcus and I were both uh, had known this little tidbit where maybe just let's walk through this. Um, this must have been. This is a pet thing for one reason because Chris Guest lived this for a moment. And maybe I'll start it off. You can finish it. But like Chris Guest, 1973, 74, 75, he's in um, a hotel, like waiting for his room or something, a lobby. And uh, near him are a rock and roll manager and the bass player of some stupid British rock and roll band. You know, let's say you're right heap, you know. And uh, and what is it, Marcus? Like 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 Christopher Guest is eavesdropping on yeah, this domain conversation. When he's retelling the story, he's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's saying like that he's checking into the, to the hotel and the, here's the uh, manager turn to one of the, one of the musicians and say, where's your bass? <laughs> and the, uh, and the, uh, the guy would retort, he's like, uh, I think I left at airport. He's like, <laughs> you did what? I think I left my bass at airport. <laughs> you know, like you're telling me you left your bass at the airport or whatever. So he goes on and does like a nice little, like. Uh, so, and it's the birth of Spinal Tap right there. Amazing. So, you know, because yeah. Chris, Chris is a great observer of, of, uh, of human behavior. And like he has a great ear for like the way people yeah. talk and everything. He just get it corky and, you That's know, like pine nut. He's character. never revealed who it was, but I read somewhere that it might have been the sweet, which makes sense to me, actually. Oh, Generic. British rock band. So, so that's kind of the, that's, they've been working on that for a long time. It's been, it's been a pet project for Chris as a, as a topic for um, a subject for comedy. So speaking of, it led bass, to tap. speaking of the bass, um, <clears throat> just real quick, I do want to circle back to the songs. Cause songs are fucking brilliant. Bass. But yeah. Let's how, get into songs. how amazing is it that, the I mean, we think, about, we think about big bottom and we think about how funny it is in there, but that they all are fucking playing basses, man. That's amazing. I mean, that is, all bass. They, they also did that on Saturday cool. Night Live before uh, the movie came out, like well before. It's a Saturday Night Live sketch where they do Big Bottom with oh, three no basses. Yes, yes. Well, it, must be like a, it must be like a Fat Bottom Girls kind of parody thing. But the idea... Oh, good call. Of, of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. But the idea of just like, okay, for this song, we're all going to do fucking bass guitars is such a in the mindset of those characters musical approach to that song that's so it's like and it's like an album filler kind of thing where it's mm -hmm. like there's like a high concept like well and it's and it's, it's really stupid because yeah. bottom yeah. there's a lot of bottom, bottom. <laughs> in yeah. in playing the bass as opposed to the guitar which has more highs whereas the bottom is 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 the, the yeah. place where bass lives it's so idiotic uh, uh, again so, the movie is the, the, the rampant idiotic sexism <laughs> you know like throughout the film they definitely do digs like um he plays that nice piece you know it's like a little quiet piano piece and it's like yeah something i'm playing with the call it lick my love pump you yeah, know and it's yeah, like yeah. Ding, yeah. Ding, 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 you know? yeah big big it's, bottoms i all flesh yeah <laughs> pink torpedo and stuff it's like there, there's just like like moronic uh sexual um like what's references the, yeah I mean, again the movie the, is like way understated compared to the um i mean like like that the joke that they're all playing basses is pretty subtle you know like you know you see it but they don't actually call it out right and i know on the saturday night live thing they actually do sell the joke a little bit more because they're like on rhythm bass you know yeah, and on lead oh, bass 
Right. On lead base, Nigel Tufnell, you know. It's so much well, it's better for, it's that they for, don't. Yeah. They no, yeah, exactly. That, well, and the whole point is it's like uh, this joke that they're all playing base is for everybody who's going to get it, and it's not going to hurt people who aren't going to get it. Like, it's not like a problem. Because actually, I didn't get that layer when I was younger. I wasn't paying attention. I was just like, oh, they all have stringed instruments. I wasn't really getting it. But then later, I was like, well, okay, big bottom. It's, you know, so it's there. It's there if, if, you, if you come to it. Or if yeah. you don't, it's okay, you know? Sex Farm Woman definitely has the most oh insane my God. lyrics of all time. <laughs> Those lyrics, yeah. good uh, call. Plowing through uh, your bean field. <laughs> yeah, poking your hay. Posing <laughs> down your barn door. <laughs> yeah, it's just like horrible. <laughs> I, I used to just say poking your hay like in my... Oh, like, my it said so... Because it's like like the song's resting on that last line. Like, like, like it, it resonates like poking your <laughs> hay. But the, you know, like, like crouching in your pee patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never caught so, that. Uh, horrible. <laughs> Good bean call. Is bad too. Plowing your say, bean field. Well, I want to say <laughs> so bad say is um. <laughs> and um uh, but so on the nose for what was coming out. If you if you look up these, you know, UFO albums or bullshit, it's on there. Did but, UFO um, have or I'm it sounds sure. like Scorpions would have lyrics like that, right? Would have, no, yeah. no, no, no. Hold on. Kiss. Kiss yes. would have. Don't they have lyrics like that, like, uh, like, um, oh, ACDC, or like, you know, actually, ACDC. ACDC has "Sink the Pink" on, um, on for those about to rock. I think is a track "Sink the Pink." You know, it doesn't. Um, but aren't know? there like Kiss songs that are just the lyrics are just like, oh, brother, yeah. Like, isn't oh, yeah. Doctor Love particularly stupid? Like, I'm like sure. the doctor's in, say ah, like, is it like that? I don't know Kiss that well, yeah. but like, yeah, one pretty. Yeah, I don't it's know about like sexual. Right. I know there's one where it's like, I, I, she's a dancer, a romancer. I'm a Capricorn and she's a cancer. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There Spinal you go. tarp. Um, Spinal but, tarp. So, yeah. Um, um, but anyway, like, I, I guess for me, just then we'll transition out of this because there's a lot more I want to say on this movie. But um, yeah. as far as a Spinal Tap song I can get down with that I actually like legitimately am like, fuck, yeah. I think Stonehenge is tight and i also think it's on my uh some yeah. itunes yeah and i also think Enjoy rock and roll it. creation is dope yeah i like that you know i like hellhole that was kind of their pop there was that was their hit single you know yeah. i like the chorus hellhole lord get me out of this hellhole you know yeah because like, i remember when i was a kid mtv there was a little promotion on mtv and i think they were like playing it straight on mtv and they were just like uh in the new hit single hellhole from Spinal <laughs> yeah, Tap. You know, know. There was a, I definitely remember there was a music video for hellhole so I, I like I, that you know my favorites are at tonight i'm gonna rock you tonight yes like the most yeah. enduring kind of rock one and uh, and it actually kind of works as like a normal song you know um tonight i'm gonna rock you tonight i'm gonna hey listen if we're talking songs how about give me your money oh, yeah. <laughs> you know here um it's uh, that's that's when I kind of realized, even as a kid, when I first saw it, when they go back, and this is more evidence of them like being so thorough and so nuanced and subtle, is um, if I can, and then try to move forward again. But just the last <laughs> of the songs is just like they have the the Beatles bandwagon thing with "Give Me Your Money," and it's kind of <laughs> a full band kind of thing. But then, of course, and then a few years later, it was uh, listen to what the flower people say and it's like sitar breakdown yeah. and stuff and it's like yeah. you know it's just like so on the nose and and, and cups and cakes cups and cakes is that kind of like penny lane or like uh yeah totally yeah yeah, yeah. ruby cups tuesday like, <laughs> like uh like arnold sang yeah totally arnold lane no so so i just I, I think i remember even then as a kid like 
like they didn't have to do that like this is an all city parody like 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 doing no one in 83 was doing fake like I like beat i mean you're right there was the ruddles but like but that was a specific task you know let's make fun of the beatles but yeah. like no one was like getting humor out of like like I what know. a a, a c-list rock band was doing to be on a bandwagon you know, know? I know. so but anyway. um if i can with just nine minutes on the clock i want to shout out to Incredible. a few of these supporting, so fast i know these like supporting cast members there's so many amazing please, good please. ones <clears throat> let's touch let's first touch on uh the manager man ian um what an incredible, incredible. With paddle. performance but just an incredible performance in the movie. I think, again, we were talking about how everything's played so straight. But with him, it's like in that scene where he leaves the band, you know, for that during that whole fight post Stonehenge and everything, like that mm -hmm. scene is very dramatic. And it's, it is it is very, mm -hmm. uh, like, uh, it's, it's Major Bummerville, you know, and he plays it That's so a great point. straight. That's a great yeah. point. The story really works, too. Like, you kind of do feel for them, you know, mm -hmm. like... Uh, with this when yeah that is so true and when nigel and and uh david are fighting too you kind of feel like a little torn up inside there's a little bit of the drama that works and yeah and it is from the um anyway i don't want to jump off the supporting cast well, no but let's just let's maybe put a button on that real quick it's just like we had talked about this before we very brief we could maybe do our whole episode on this but there's like a an almost feature length uh number of um outtakes and i watched the assemblage of the outtakes integrated with the film it's a work print and um, I watched it just once, four and a half hours. And it's um, it really became a drama because they're not cutting mm. on the jokes. You, you know, like they're not like uh, excising scenes. The, the, the scenes aren't being edited with a sense of like uh, ending on humor. So they play out. And by the last act of the uh, four hour version, like it, it, it is a drama. Like there's a lot of fighting, like you're saying, between the two guys. And like one of their, he's reunited with his son, one of the two lead guys. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. And they're having a lot of yeah. trouble recording their new album. And it was yeah. just like, I was forgetting that it's a comedy. And uh, so so they really, that's another element that's masterful on the part of Guest and Rob Reiner. And, but also, the, the because, you know, the writing, by the way, can we just actually say the word we haven't even mentioned yet? Improvisation. Oh, yeah. This yeah. film was written, mm -hmm. this film was written in improvisation. Yeah. And that's maybe the most masterful example of improvisation we've ever seen because improvisation is tough and it can get very broad very quickly like yes and you know that kind of thing yeah very corny but like they are they're like de niro's of comedy yeah they yeah. i bet they i bet they want it's method acting they probably wanted to be t talked to uh, by name of the character when they're uh, on the oh, set yeah. For, yeah. that oh, yeah. kind of thing you know? i think that they were cracking each other up too there's the famous anecdote where like they when they were doing the when the armadillo in our trousers line like they that they edited that line right up to the point where they both start laughing because they yeah. made each other and you can see david st Huffman's laugh he michael mckean laughs a little bit but yeah. but reigns it back in you know <laughs> yeah okay hold on no, so we, we haven't even so on. just improvisation I, I know i got a bunch of things okay. here that i know you're gonna want to talk let's about, do it Tom, let's so go i'm gonna try to get to it all right so um uh, just I want to shout out these two because they're so lifelike, so real. I grew up with people, with my dad in the music industry. They are so lifelike. That is Fran Drescher <laughs> as Bobby Fleckman. I grew up with <laughs> dozens of Bobby Fleckmans uh, um, around my family. Um, and Artie Fufkin, okay? We talked a little yeah. bit about Artie Fufkin. <laughs> Paul Schaefer yes, uh, plays Artie Fufkin, and he's running uh, the, the, the failed uh, record signing. And he's like, listen, uh, you know, kick the kick this ass. This is all my fault. You yeah. know, like and we've all seen that guy like kind of like uh, Paul Shaver is born to play 
that kind of greasy Neil Sedaka ish middling, uh, like, like, uh, also, <laughs> oh, you know, like, man. like one of the minor, minor minions of, of the pop promo culture. jacket wearing the promo, you know, ja- promotional <laughs> yeah, satin jacket. jacket. Yeah, satin jacket. totally. The, I mean, they, everything about that character is so spot on, um, and, and just <laughs> rings so true to me. Um, but w- one of the things I know you want to talk about, because we didn't talk about it, is the yeah. uh, the idea, and I have one more after this too, so we got to keep going. Is okay. the shark, the infamous shark sandwich review, shit sandwich. Let's do that. Okay, I'll try to keep this quick. Uh, yeah, so um, early on in the film, director's talking to the band, and uh, they're going over their albums, just like Marcus had inside his gatefold of his album. And one album was called Shark Sandwich. And, um, and uh, you know, uh, the, the director of the film, you know, Rob Reiner saying, now there was a, there was a famous review for shark sandwich and uh, it was just two words, shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Now, here we go. Deep cut time, deep cut on deep cuts. In the mid eighties, there was a super group called GTR, you know, kind of like guitar. And they, who was in it? Steve the Howe, guy, what uh, saying? Steve, Steve Howe from uh, Yes and Steve Hackett yes. from Genesis. <laughs> right, exactly. So. Some guy in a magazine has to review the new album, the first album by GTR, and he has not even a one word review. He just reviews GTR with SHT. (laughs) (laughs) So I have I assume that he's thinking of shit sandwich review, but kudos my hats off to that guy. I would Google it. It is online. There's a whole article with the critic. And uh, yeah, so GTR SHT, mad respect for that. <laughs> two more. Two That's more. the deepest cut. Hit two it, more quick it. details that we definitely got to get in. Uh, how amazing is Spinal Tap Mark II, Tom? I mean, the idea that during the infamous puppet show, they decide that they want to get into the free well, j- freeform jazz. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, it's Puppet Show and Spinal Tap, and um, this is the uh, this is um, the trials and tribulations of Derek Smalls, uh, Harry Shearer as the bass player, Derek Smalls, and yes, it's the the famous mo- line of you know it's Puppet Show and then Spinal Tap is um, it's followed up by such an incredible. It's not even funny, but it is, and it's 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 some of the deepest nuance cut references ever. It's when your hard rocking band member is getting distracted by like free jazz and um, he does a jazz odyssey and it's like this turgid, like complicated, like bass riff and like irregular time signatures. And uh, it's jazz odyssey by Derek Smalls. And um, it's, it's, it, it makes me want to cry. It's so genius. <laughs> you know and what? These things happen. I was so- going to mention Bill Ward of Black Sabbath, right. <coughs> you know, like th- these, this this did happen, where there's a a band member of some hard rocking band, is uh, is being pulled in a different direction. Like you know, he's he's getting older, and uh, I've been listening a lot more to um, you know Ornette Coleman, you know that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's to me, that's the ultimate pretense. And I think Bill Ward had this really misguided. Bill Ward from Black Sabbath had this really misguided solo album that looks unrecognizable to anything even resembling Black Sabbath. <laughs> I don't know if you guys bother listening to that, but. It's from like the oh, late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah. so but there that is kind is of a, a scene. Please. There is kind of a scene in some kind of monster Metallica that's kind of like that, where you know they're trying and that in their frustration, the off the off time drum beats and you yeah, know, good they're, they're call. Being, kind of being pulled. They're not off time on purpose, though, right? It's just Lars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is... <laughs> but exactly. Well, <laughs> right, there, right, right. There, there, no, no. But your point of, is like, like they're um. You know what it is? It's like introducing marital aids in the fifth year of marriage or something like that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like, like they're like, let's spice things up with like, a, like I kind of want to have an Afro-Cuban beat. You know, like, like I've been listening to a lot of Santana lately, and it's just like, 
no, stop yeah. doing this. You know what I mean? Just do heavy riffs. Yeah. And, um, and, and the film Spinal Tap, they went there. It was hilarious. And they nailed it. Jazz Odyssey. Derek Smalls for life, dude. Oh, and Derek Smalls, as I was going to say, Derek Smalls is the guy who's playing around with, you're a naughty one, saucy Jack. <laughs> you know, like they're, they're, they're rock musical of uh, Jack the Ripper. So oh my he's got God. a lot of ideas. There's like almost a minute left. We haven't talked about Fred Willard or how Cherie Curry is, in, you know, the one Andy who gave Garvey them herpes. Is a mime. <laughs> mime is <laughs> money. Yeah. Yeah, no Bruno Kirby or Ed Bagley Jr. No, no, Marcus, this will break your heart. Like folding the sandwiches. Oh God, I had a whole couple minutes. No, just do it. You know what? It's all yours. Go. You have a minute. Go. There's just a lot of amazing Shut choreography up, going on with the with the in the moment with the bread when he's saying there's the bread's too small and he's like, "What you want's larger bread?" And he's like, "Yeah," but he's like, "Why don't you fold it?" And he's like, "Well," he tries folding the ham. There's this amazing choreography and insert shot. Just speaks to the power of insert shots. It's so funny on its own. And it's two people. One's folding ham. One's folding bread. And they take yes. the bread from the other person. And there's an amazing little choreography that happens there. It's just like wonderful filmmaking. <laughs> we'll we'll cut to the visual. We'll and that the there's visual. just like the like the, the like separated Oreos, like the plate of separated Oreos. I don't know if you caught that detail. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> That's there's so much. It's so awesome. rich. And and you know what, guys. This is maybe the worst hour where we can't even get close to fitting in our love for the, of this film. <laughs> An hour is, is just not enough, not even close. But I will say I'd rather do this hour than Garden State any day. So thank you guys every uh, for checking yeah. us out on one fucking Fuck hour. Crap. <laughs> on Spinal Tap, not a really. little audible uh, from what we <laughs> originally planned um but uh there you have it Sorry. so um yeah i mean you know we did it uh and uh, that was a lot of fun man i mean you know we just this oh, so good you know we we haven't um we haven't really got into a comedy you know and i think this was kind of uh, no you know. no this is the first full-on comedy i mean there was cracking up by mr jerry lewis not a comedy <laughs> not not a comedy <laughs> yeah just but, a uh just an true. mri of someone's uh nightmare um ego uh neurosis like um neurosis yeah yeah, yeah. so but um what i did yeah. want to say is you might notice if you're a longtime viewer longtime listener uh we took a little break from the clips showing of the stop and watch watch a clip sort of thing because the youtube bots uh were nightmarish this past week with french connection that's why it was delayed Forget so many it. days so we're we're kind of giving it a rest a little bit with the stop and watches because YouTube is cracking down. So um, hopefully you you know that that's okay by everybody. But I just wanted to be fully transparent on um, kind of what we're doing here, uh, you know, behind the scenes at one. With the adjustment out. of the format, yeah, and we feel that um, obviously the show is driven by you know the idea of three morons talk about one movie, and uh, we can live without cutting away for a few seconds of of this and that scene, you know. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Just listen to us describe scene. <laughs> yeah, mind. and then watch. And it. also, and and, yeah. and we well, we cut away too during this yeah. convo. What's wrong well, with being sexy? Exactly. I don't know. Uh, Let's talk great about fun, next week. Great film. Yeah. yeah. Next week, not uh, a comedy. Not a comedy. <laughs> uh, we're not uh, doing Garden State ever. Um, or look, if we get a thousand YouTube subscribers uh, in we'll a do short State. amount of time. We'll do Garden State. Okay, how about that? So, so that's the goal. That. Tell your yeah. friends. The yeah. goal is. Did you see a thousand followers? Yeah. yeah. For a thousand followers, we'll do Garden State. Uh, so that's your goal. That's your incentive. 
yeah. to uh, st- open your window and start screaming one fucking hour uh, <laughs> until the world, right? Um, yeah, and we'll go. do it. We're not going to say we're doing a love fest like we just did with Spinal Tap, but well, we'll maybe you don't. You don't know. You never I've know. Seen it. Could change your life. <laughs> <Seen it>. um, <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, but uh, I will say next week is 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 a deep cut film. Uh, one that I'm really excited about. It's a totally underrated, amazing gem. I mean, this is yeah. gem yeah. in every sense of the word, really. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, the film is not available, but we're going to hook you up. Uh, if you uh, Let me first explain what it is, and then we're going to hook you up so you can check it out. Uh, the film is from 1978. We're going back into the 70s for Remember My Name, directed by Alan Rudolph, okay? Okay. Um, this is a, an amazing film starring Anthony Perkins and uh, Geraldine Chaplin, and it is a. How would you even categorize this? It is a. <laughs> uh, it's a. It's a portrait of um, of neurosis and madness, uh, you know. And it's um, it's also a great Los Angeles film. I mean, not to start the podcast already, but like, it's just a. It's 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 a portrait of a couple people having a really rough time in their life. And uh, they encounter each other again. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's basically you know, Geraldine Chaplin is a, almost like she gets out of, released out of open prison. Open old wounds. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She gets released out of prison, and she's basically stalking uh, an old flame. She's stalking this couple. Um, Anthony uh, Perkins, yeah. Anthony Perkins. And, and, and Who's just kinda, got a lot of his own problems, you know. He does, and, and, and it, but it, it's a pressure cooker. Like, it, it turns up, and it gets mm-hmm. super, super intense and nuts, and you wouldn't know. But you know what? I just said it, it is sometimes kind of funny too because uh, Geraldine Cha- Chaplin's performance is, is brilliant. She's a great actress, and uh, she does uh, she makes the film. Anthony's great too, but like she really makes the film because she gives a lot of shading and and and, and nuance to a character that uh, I think in lesser hands of an, of the actor or uh, the writer and the director, it would just be a much more broad kind of um, single white female kind of thing. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, this is a full person just like any other time someone's rendered in film but they're uh they're not doing so well and um she's trying to navigate through life sort of um but she's also driven in on a mission and uh it's like a romantic she's like a romantic kamikaze pilot she's wow. ready to crash right into anthony perkins <laughs> you that know? Is true. it's great that it's, is, a, that is very, it's very really true. great yeah, yeah, and uh, right, so guys, we, save it for the podcast. I'm done. Right. We highly recommend right. it, and it's sad to hear that it's not really available. But I guess we'll we'll try to figure something out so it's people not, can see it. Right, it's not really available. Um, but if you DM us, it's a good reason to follow us on Instagram uh, at one fucking hour. Um, if you follow us, shoot us a DM if you want to see it, uh, and we'll shoot you back a link uh, to watch it because <laughs> it's really yeah. worth seeing this movie before yeah. we talk about it, before we get into it. Um, it's a really, really underseen yeah. gem in every sense of the word. I can't say enough good things about it. So next week, one fucking hour on Remember My Name. Um, all right, guys. Well, that was fun. Um, that was so fun. Fastest. Like, I thought uh, recently we had a really fast one fucking hour, but this was this hour felt like 10 minutes. That went. I know. That was insane. Is, is the clock, is it working right? Yes, it is. It is. There's something wrong with the clock. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, Screw loose. Uh, uh, yeah. Well, everybody, thanks so much for, for joining us on One Fucking Hour in Garden State. And uh, have a great rest <laughs> right. of your weekend. And before we go, we can't let you go without your moment of zen, of course. And that'll play for you right now. All right, everybody. Have a great rest of your weekend. Talk to you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. And we're saying to Don, we think this is in the worst possible taste, this dwarf, you know. 
And Don's going, no, the kids will love it, the kids will love it, you know, it'll be great. Mm, okay. So we're watching from the wings, and this dwarf comes out in a red costume with the yellow fingernails, wah, screaming. I'm looking at the kids, they're going, <laughs> really, I mean, just everyone was bursting into laughter, you know, it was absolutely horrendous. So anyway, the dwarf came out and fell off, and the scream sort of tailed away, and the monks came out with their cows, dong, the bells happened. And you could still hear the screaming in the background. It wasn't the tape, it was the dwarf, because we'd taken all the mattresses away, you see. And that was the end of the dwarf. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Mm -hmm.